transmitting to you from Old Heart Radio. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's another episode of Coffee and Contemplation. Yes, it is a podcast. Yes, it is an Old Heart Radio podcast. And yes, I am your ho- your host, Old Heart, aka Jared, aka whatever the fuck you want to call me. It don't matter to me. Um, I'm here. Hopefully, you're still here. Uh, hopefully, you're still kind of hunkering down, keeping your paws clean, keeping your shit sanitized, keeping your you know. You know, your stuff under lock because we got that whole coronavirus thing going on around there, aka COVID Cyrus, aka Cyrus the virus, aka fuck. Uh, either way, hope you're all staying safe. Shit's real, shit's alive, shit's popping still. The world is going, spinning. We're all here. Uh, like I said, um, on the last podcast, uh, get online, and if you want us to talk about anything particular, just pop uh, that topic into our, uh, as the kids say, DM us that topic on Instagram. Follow us at Old Heart Radio. Uh, and that's the same moniker on Spotify and iTunes. So uh, subscribe to that shit. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Old Heart and Space. It's probably the most uh, engaged I am on the social media site. So that being said, today's topic is The Deadly Years by David P. Harmon. There was no sign of Robert Johnson when the party from the Enterprise materialized on Gamma Hydra 4. In fact, there was no sign of anybody, and their arrival site, which otherwise resembled a Kansas field in mid-August, was eerily silent. There were the overbright sun, the varied greens of leaves and grasses, even the shimmer of heat waves over the adjacent meadow, but all sounds of life were missing. Insect, animal, human... All that suggested that it was the the specified headquarters of the Johnson Expedition was a scattering of prefab buildings. Spock, Kirk noted, was looking troubled too. McCoy said, perhaps they weren't expecting us. Spock shook his head. Our arrival was scheduled in advance, Doctor. An annual check of every scientific expedition is routine. Besides, I had I had subspace contact with the leader of the expedition, a Robert Johnson, not an hour ago, Kirk said. Did he report anything wrong, Jim? No. And yet, there was something wrong. I can't, can't, quite, can't quite nail it down. But his conversation was disjointed, somehow, as though he, we, he were having trouble sticking to the subject or was worried about something, Kirk said, pointing... Kirk pointed at the nearest building. Mr. Chekhov... Check that place. Mr. Spock and I will check that one. McCoy, Scotty, Lieutenant Galloway, look around, see if you can find anyone. The group broke up. Arlene Galloway was looking a little scared, Kirk thought. Well, this was only her first extrasolar planet. She'd toughen in due course, and the circumstances were a little odd. Kirk and Spock 
were about to enter their building when a scream rent the air. Whirling, Kirk saw Chekhov bursting out into the open, looking around wildly. Captain, Captain Chekhov's voice was gone up a full octave. Kirk lopped forward and grabbed him. What's wrong? Captain, in there. Control yourself, Ensign. What is it? A man, sir. In there, Chekhov seemed a little calmer. A dead man. All right, we'll check it out. But why the panic? You've seen dead men before. I know, Chekhov said, a little ashamedly, but this one's, uh, peculiar. And frankly, sir, it startled me. Scared might be the bitter, the better word. All right, Bones, Spock, let's take a look. Kirk drew his phaser, for the dead man, apparently. Kirk drew his phaser. <laughs> the interior of the building was quite dark, not black, but Kirk, coming in from the bright sunlight, had trouble getting used to it. At first, the building seemed quite empty. Then, he saw some sort of low structure near its end. He approached cautiously. Then, he abruptly understood what had panicked the unprepared Chekhov. The object was a crudely constructed wooden coffin for which two sawhorses served as a cataflock. The body it held might have been Methuselah's. Deep wrinkles made its facial features also indecipherable. The open mouth was toothless, its near-white gums shriveled, its eyes sunken in caverns flattened under their lids of flabby skin. The body seemed to be mere bones, barely held together by a brown-spotted integument of uh, tissue paper thinness. Clawed hands were <laughs> crossed on its collapsed chest. Jeebus. <clears throat> Chekhov's voice said through the dimness, I bumped into it walking backwards, sir, and I, I quite understand, Ensign. Rest easy, Bones. What is this? Exactly what it looks like, Jim. Death by natural causes. In other words, old age. Doctor, Spock said. I ran a personal check on the on the members of this expedition before we beamed down, and I can assure you that not one of them was... Midway through this sentence, Kirk became aware of the shuffling of feet outside the open door. They all turned as Spock's voice trailed off. A man and woman tottered toward them, supporting themselves with sticks. They were stooped and shrunken, the skin of their skulls showing through their thin white hair. The man said in a quavering voice, They've come to pay their respects to Professor Alvin. I am Kirk of the... You'll have to speak louder, the man said, cupping his, his ear with his free hand. I said I am Kirk of the Enterprise. Shit! Shoutouts! Shoutouts to anybody listening out there, hot dogs. You guys are fucking awesome. I hope the quarantine's keeping you well. Wash your paws. Keep yourself safe. All that shit. Uh, Shoutouts to uh, my co-host old, at Old Heart, uh, Lucas. Shoutouts to co-host creator uh, fucking Jeremiah, a.k.a. Yellow Teeth, a.k.a. Missy Man. Uh, Shoutouts to anybody listening, like I said. Uh, Shoutouts to all my friends and family. All right. Uh, <clears throat> where do we leave off? A man and woman totter don't know. We already read that part. Um, you'll have to speak louder. Uh, I said I am Kirk, Captain Kirk of the Enterprise. Who are you? Robert Johnson, said the old man, nodding. And this is my wife, Elaine. That's impossible, Kirk said. The Johnsons are... How old are you? Me? I'm... Let me see. Oh, yes. I'm 29. Elaine is 27. The shocked silence was at last broken by McCoy... I am a physician. You both need rest and medical care. There were only three decrepit survivors of the expedition to be beamed up to sick bay, and Nurse Chaplin's gentle but efficient care. Standing beside McCoy, Kirk leaned over Robert Johnson's head. Can you hear me, Dr. Johnson? The, film, the filmed eyes found his face. Not deaf yet, you know. Not yet. Have you any idea what happened? What happened? Johnson echoed vaguely. Did your instruments show anything? 
the old mind was wandering as though <laughs> as though appealing to some benevolent but absent god. Johnson said, El Elaine was so beautiful, so beautiful. He can hear you, Jim, but he can't understand. Let him rest. Kirk nodded. Nurse Chapel, if any of them seem lucid, we'll be in the briefing room. He went into the intercom. Kirk to bridge. Mr. Spock. Commodore Stalker. Dr. Wallace. To the briefing room, please. Bones. I'll ask you to come along. Janet Wallace and George Stalker were distinguished guests. He had he and an able an able administrator in his mid-40s. She, an endocrinologist in her late 20s and extremely attractive. They were waiting with Spock at the big table when he and McCoy arrived. He nodded to them and all sat down himself. Commodore Stalker, he asked... He, Commodore Soccer, I've asked you to this briefing because Gamma Hydra 4 falls within the area of your administration. Trim, competent looking, the tall man said, I appreciate that, Captain. <laughs> okay. The merest hint of constraint came in Kirk's voice as he spoke to the dark-eyed girl who sat next to the Commodore. Dr. Wallace, though you are a new member of our crew, your credentials are as, as an endocrinologist are impressive. In this situation we face, I'd appreciate you your working closely with Dr. McCoy. She smiled at him. Yes, Captain. He turned hastily to McCoy. Fill him in, Bones. Mc <laughs> McCoy said, The survivors of the expedition to Gamma Hydra 4 are not merely suffering from extreme old age. They are getting older, much older by the minute. My examinations have shown up nothing. I haven't a clue to the cause of this rapidly aging process. Mr. Spock, what about environment and atmosphere? Sensors showed nothing inimical to the human life. Uh, sir, the atmosphere screens out the usual amount of harmful cosmic rays. We are close, though, Kirk said, to the neutral zone between our Federation and the Romulan Confederation. The Romulans may have a new weapon. Perhaps they have been using members of the expedition as their guinea pigs. I begin to investigate that possibility, Captain, Spock said. Kirk Rose, I want you all to check out everything in your particular specialities. No matter how remote, how far-fetched seems the notion, I want it to run down. He paused for emphasis. We will remain in orbit until we have the answer. Stalker spoke. I am anxious to get to Starbase 10 in order to assume my new post. I am sure you understand that, Captain. I will do what I can to see that you make what that you make your due date, Commodore. Thank you, Captain. The men, pushing back their chairs, left the briefing, but the dark-eyed Dr. Wallace didn't move. Kirk turned to the door. Anything I can do for you, Doctor? Yes, she said. You might, for instance, say, Hello, Janet. You might be a little less cold efficient starship captain a little more the old friend janet as captain i have certain dude i have certain my duties are heavy uh then he gave her a little wry smile or maybe i just don't want to get burned again i'm carrying a little scar tissue of my own she said there was a small silence then he said how long has it been more than six years jim a long time but there wouldn't be any change if we started it up all over again would there i've got my ship you've got your work Neither of us will change. You've never asked why I married after we called it off. Why I've never married it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You've ne you never asked why I married after we called it off. I supposed you found another man you loved. I found a man I admired. But in the same field as you. You didn't have to give up anything. No, I didn't. But he's dead now, Jim. She went to him. Her hands extended. Kirk hesitated. Then he took one of her hands. 
his eyes searching the warm brown ones, and Ohora's voice spoke on the intercom. Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock would like to see you on the bridge. Tell Mr. Spock I'm on my way. He was finding deeper depths in the brown eyes. Janet, we're under pressure right now. Maybe when it eases off, things will be... Uhura's voice interrupted again. Captain Kirk, Mr. Scott would like to see you in engineering. Tell him I'll be down after I check in with Mr. Spock. He drew Janet closer, lifting her chin. He said, But this time, there must be truth between us. You and I, with our eyes open, knowing what each of us are. It's been a long six years, she said, and placed her arms around his neck. He had bent his head to her mouth when the intercom spoke for the third time. Captain Kirk! My god, dear hot dogs, that's been another riveting episode of Coffee and Contemplation. Yes, it's an old heart radio podcast, and yes, you have accidentally listened to it. Congratulations, you damn fools. Okay, shoutouts. Lastly, I hope everybody's doing well. The quarantine uh, is probably going to ramp up, so be well, stock up, keep yourself safe. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, I will keep churning this shit out. Hit us uh, in that DM box on Instagram at Old Heart Radio if you want us to talk about anything in particular. I will contemplate anything for you, dear folks, during this COVID Cyrus bullshit, aka Cyrus the virus, aka fuck. Uh, keep well, people. Use your brains for good. Uh, ripen up that coconut as best you can. And as always, keep your stick on the ice.